Well, good morning. Let me add my welcome to church today. I hope our experience together so far has already been a blessing and encouragement to you to slow down and hear from the Spirit of God, as throughout this series we're focusing on experiencing God's presence as we gather in worship. And I just want to encourage you as we spend the next few minutes uh, moving into today's passage, uh, springboarding out of the Lord's Prayer, looking at how God's kingdom is at work even among us. I just want to encourage you to remain in that receptive posture, really listening attentively to what the Spirit might be saying to you today. And then in a few minutes, we'll have another opportunity to listen and reflect as we take communion together. But for now, I'm going to take us to a passage in Acts, a very familiar passage if you know the Bible and the story of God's um, progressive revelation of His Spirit and His presence throughout the Bible. Uh, Acts 2 is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see some details in this account that I think will help us uh, as we continue to walk in these waters of learning to pay attention, learning to recognize the presence of God in our midst. So I'm going to take you to Acts 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses together, noticing what the Spirit of God has to say to us today. In verse 1, uh, this, this story begins. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, that is, the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, that is the sound of the disciples speaking in these tongues, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites? Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, lots of different nations. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? I think that's a great question uh, that these Jews were asking, and, and really that's the question that we'll consider for these next few minutes. What does it mean, uh, this account of the Holy Spirit being poured out and what these disciples experienced as they gathered together in this upper room? Well, the first thing that, that we see that it means in the text is that they had experienced the presence of God. They had experienced the presence of the God of their ancestors, the God of the Israelites, the very same God who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, who then revealed himself again to the nation at Mount Sinai when he gave the Ten Commandments, both accounts that we've seen over the last two weeks as we've moved through this series. This is the very same God. And in fact, there are clues in this text that point us back to those experiences that these Jews would have recognized immediately because these stories were so formative in their history. 
The first clue is simply that all of this happened on the day of Pentecost. Simply the word Pentecost, uh, the root word 50, this, this um, Greek translation, the Greek word Pentecost, referred to these Jewish feasts called the Feast of Weeks or Feast of Harvest. Uh, and they had been celebrating these feasts for centuries, and it was about 50 days after the Exodus that, um, that these feasts were celebrated. 50 days after the Passover, which was immediately preceding uh, the Jews being led out of Egypt, which was the Exodus. And so each year they would celebrate these feasts. And in fact, that's why so many Israelites had gathered in Jerusalem on this day. They had come from all nations around. These were God-fearing Jews um, to celebrate the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Weeks, the Pentecost Feast. And it was on this day that they would commemorate the giving of the Ten Commandments, which happened as Jewish tradition and and sort of the calendar um, fell out 50 days approximately from the time that they had uh, experienced the exodus from Egypt. So the day itself was significant. It was a commemoration, a remembrance of what God did on Mount Sinai. And in addition to the day itself, uh, what they experienced in this room when the Holy Spirit came was, res- was, was more than reminiscent. It was uh, repetitive of what had happened in um, Mount Sinai. So it says the first thing they heard was the sound of a mighty wind, like a storm. Uh, if you go back and read the Sinai account in Exodus 19, uh, there was um, thunder and lightning and, and a storm that came on Uh, on the mountain. So they heard the sound of this mighty wind, and then they saw tongues of fire uh, that rested on each of the disciples that were in that upper room. Of course, fire, as we've already noted the last couple of weeks, was associated with God manifesting His presence, both in the burning bush and at Mount Sinai. They experienced this here in this upper room experience. And then also, um, voices were associated with Mount Sinai. Remember, they heard the voice of God speaking from the mountain, and it caused great fear and trembling among the Israelites. So the, the storm, the wind, um, the fire that was present, and also the, the voice that came from it, the voice of God, all of these manifestations showed up here in this account in Acts 2 when the Spirit was poured out. A clear sign that what they were experiencing this day was the very God of Israel manifesting His presence among them. That's one layer of what this meant, and it was enormously significant. And it fits right into the stream of God revealing himself throughout the Bible. It locates this Acts 2 Pentecost pouring out of the Spirit event in a strand of God revealing his presence to his people. That's why we're taking time to look at it today in the context of where we've been in this series. And it's interesting, uh, scholars, commentators who study this passage recognize um, these strands. They recognize these manifestations. But you'll notice Luke, the author of this passage, doesn't take time to point it out. Would have been obvious to any uh, faithful Jewish reader what was going on, um, but it's not an express part of the text here in Acts. And scholars think there's a reason for that. And the reason is the second thing, the second meaning of this event uh, that we're going to see today, that it's not just about the experience of God's presence. It's about the empowerment from the Spirit of Christ. There was an express purpose that came out of this experience of the presence of God that we're going to see in just a moment. And and, and it's actually what the whole rest of the book of Acts, even the New Testament, even church history, flows from this purpose, the empowerment of the Spirit of Christ. 
Because what they had experienced was exactly what Jesus had told them would come just before he ascended uh, back into heaven. In the previous chapter, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, um, Jesus said to his disciples then, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These were the words of Jesus just before he um, ascended back into heaven, and it was really the, the baton pass from his earthly ministry, um, serving here on earth, leading his disciples, investing in them, teaching them, training them, and now he was going to send his spirit to empower them to be his witnesses, not only there in Jerusalem where they were gathered, but concentric circles outward into all Judea, the region around Jerusalem, and then Samaria, which was the broader region, and then to all the earth. This was Jesus' promised empowerment when he would send his spirit. And so that's what um, the author, Luke, makes a big deal out of when, when we're thinking about what this text means, what these things mean. The first thing is that it's the empowerment of the followers of Jesus by the spirit of Jesus himself. So the experience that they had had, this experience of the presence of God, was not only for themselves, it was not only to build up their faith, though certainly it did, it wasn't for only, only for their benefit, but it was for the benefit of others, uh, that they would be witnesses of who Jesus is and what Jesus did in dying for the sins of the world. It wasn't just for them, it was for others. Not only uh, was this empowerment for others, it was also for the purpose of building up the kingdom that Jesus had already established. Um, in Jesus' ministry on earth, uh, he came saying he was not building up an earthly kingdom, he was not here to establish an earthly kingdom, but rather um, his Father's kingdom, this eternal spiritual kingdom. That was Jesus' mission on earth. And when he ascended and left, uh, gave his Holy Spirit to his followers, it was for the express purpose of continuing that kingdom-building mission. And this is what we see playing out. Um, in fact, immediately following this, we have Peter stepping up, explaining to uh, all of the people who were there just what was happening. Um, and we were told on that day, 3,000 people believed and trusted in Jesus and were added to the number of his followers. And so this kingdom, even on, on that immediate day, began to grow, and then more and more and more uh, in the coming days and weeks. So it was a pouring out, an empowerment of Jesus' followers. And then it expands outward, and this is where I think we're, we're most expressly invited into this text today. Part of Peter's words explaining this event to all who were hearing um, was summed up uh, at the end of his first sermon, and this is where the I guess this message sort of culminated. It's where he landed. It was this final point that he made. And Peter replied uh, to this question, what does this mean? It means to repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And this is, this is where this becomes really good news for you and me. 
Because this experience of the presence of God, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit was not just for those 120 or so disciples who were in that room that day. It wasn't just for those who were in their hearing in Jerusalem on that day. But we're told by Peter, um, the apostle of Jesus, that this promise that when we repent, when we're baptized, when we trust in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says expressly, that promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. It's an amazing promise uh, that when we draw near in repentance, faith, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and then you and I, even today, can receive that power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now many of us have had this experience in our life uh, where we have recognized ourselves to be sinners um, and we have repented, we've turned away. The word repent means to turn and go another direction uh, and there's been a time in perhaps your life where you have done that. But repentance has is, is never been a one-time event. It's, it's a new posture, it's a new lifestyle of continually turning away from um, our natural inclinations away from God toward receiving the power that comes from Him, the forgiveness that comes from turning toward Him in repentance and faith. And we're going to take a few moments as we um, continue in our service in just a few minutes um, to do this, to put some tangible action on this act of repentance. And together, I'm going to invite you to lean in to the promise that we see in this passage, that when we do that, when we repent, you and I will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this empowerment that we've seen in this text. And that empowerment, just as we've seen in Acts 2, is, is not going to be just for us, but it's, it's so that you and I, in our lives, can bear witness to who Jesus is and what He has done. This promise that is not just for us, but for all of the world, all whom the Lord our God will call. You and I can lean into this empowerment today. If you were here with us a couple of weeks ago, um, you might remember I told a story um, in my own life how just recently I did what was called a prayer labyrinth, which was walking a path uh, toward a center place where Jesus is represented and then walking a path sort of back out into life. And when we move into our time of communion today, we're going to do something similar. Um, this will be different for us uh, in our church gatherings, in our worship services, uh, but if you are um, in the room here worshiping in person, you're going to have an opportunity to leave your seat and take a walk and approach the Lord's table uh, to receive the bread and cup, symbolizing the body and blood of Jesus. And then take a return walk back to your seat. And we're going to take some time uh, in that uh, liturgy of the communion of the Lord's Supper um, to do a couple of things. Um, first, it'll be an opportunity to repent. And one of the ways of repenting, um, we're going to talk about it in terms of releasing, of, of letting go of things that, that we may be hanging on to that are holding us back from receiving the empowerment that God wants to give us from the Holy Spirit. So in a few minutes, um, our campus pastors are going to lead this time, and you're going to be invited to consider what you might need to release today, right now in this moment, in order to receive this empowerment that the Holy Spirit wants to give to you. Now, when I uh, 
did my prayer walk a few weeks ago, um, I shared that nothing, nothing immediately came to mind. Um, but it was simply a posture of openness, um, receptivity, uh, releasing any hindrance or distraction that, that, would, that would maybe hinder me or, or keep me from hearing what, what God wanted to give to me in that moment. Or there may be really specific things that you know uh, that you need to release in this moment. Um, maybe it's fear of all that's happening in the world. Maybe it's anger or frustration or disappointment in um, your circumstances or relationships in your life. Maybe you need to release a sense of fighting for control in your life. Whatever it is, whether something specific, whether it's a general posture of openness, I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to release? And then as you approach the Lord's table and you take uh, the bread and the cup, you're going to be invited to ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Spirit of Christ What do you want to give to me today? What do you want to empower me with in this moment that I can take with me as I return from the Lord's table, not only to your seat, but out into everyday life? What is it that that the Holy Spirit wants you to receive today? And we'll invite you to consider these things as we we take this time in in communion today um, to lean into what we've seen here in Acts 2. To invite the presence of God to be manifest among us. And to invite the Holy Spirit to empower us for the kingdom building work. To be his witnesses that he has called us to do. And I'll say one final thing before we move toward communion. And that is that this moment signaled a pivot in in biblical history. In the history of God's work among his people. From his presence being manifest externally to his presence being manifest inwardly. This was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the hearts of his people, of all whom he would call. And this is what we're listening for today. To be sure, God, if he chose, could manifest himself in the very same way that he did in the upper room, with the sound of wind and of fire and of tongues. But he's probably not going to do that today. What he will do is speak inwardly to you and to me when we ask him, when we call on him, when we listen attentively to what he may be saying. So because of Acts 2, because of the outpouring of the Spirit of Christ, you and I today can confidently invite him to speak to us, expecting that when we do, he will, and that you and I together today can experience the presence of God, not only for this moment in this gathering, in this room, But it can be something that you and I can carry with us as we move back into our everyday lives. So let me pray for us as we move into this time of openness to the Holy Spirit together. Let's pray. Father God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Israelites, we invite you to be evident in our midst today. We know that you're already here. We know that you're everywhere. We know that you are here because we are gathered. But we want to listen for you today and ask that you would speak in a way that only you can. And we pray that you would empower each and every one of us in a way that each of us needs to do what Jesus called us to, to be your witnesses, 
everywhere that you will lead us. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen.